1: It's the black velvet backdrop to the brilliance of a diamond. And we'll take a light and shine on that diamond today. The Reality of Sin, our series continues here next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. If you find yourself lacking in your love for Christ, if you find yourself growing a bit cold, this series is designed just for you, to help you return to your first love. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. Now, as we continue our series, The Reality of Sin, we want to clarify just exactly what this series is designed for. Among other things, It is to restore a right relationship, a right view, if you will, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oftentimes our love for Him grows cold because, well, the weight of this world, the sin that we have, tends to overwhelm us at times. Helping us properly see the depths of that gives us a proper view of His magnificence. With more, here's Pastor Gary Wagner on this edition of Abounding Grace.
2: It is a terrible thing when God expresses his anger on a culture by giving it up. And in this culture, your only hope is to stay close to God and to your family and to your church family. Well, let me give you another expression of God's anger in this life. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Sometimes God does just this. Now, this is a difficult chapter to understand, so I'm, I'm not going to try and explain all of it to you. I'm just going to try and explain one point. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 3, and I will read from verse 3 to verse 12. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who, no, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawlessness will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, if someone does not believe the truth of the Word of God, and he takes pleasure in wickedness, and he runs, then he runs risk of having an angry God send a deluding, deceiving influence into his life, causing that man to believe what is false, that God says he might be judged by me, For all eternity. That's how angry God is with sin. If you love pleasure. If your only thing is having fun and a good time and playing with your friends. Whether you are a young person or adult. And you only work as hard as it is necessary. Just so you have time to play. And you spend no time in the word or in your practice of God's word. Maybe it's just hit or miss. Or just when you're feeling spiritual. You run the risk of having God send into your life something that will terribly confuse you about what is true and what is not. And that's what leads many, many people into the cults that we have around us today. And then if someone comes along with some false doctrine, like antinomianism, or the new perspective on Paul, or federalism, or theistic evolution, or rapturism, or the anti-church-aved movement, they will sound so reasonable and so logical that they will draw you in and you will wander off from biblical truth and the reformed faith. And it is because God sent a deluding influence upon you and confused you So that you would believe what is false. Why? So that he might judge you for taking pleasure in wickedness. That is how much God is angry with our sins. Here is another form that God anger takes. Sometimes God is so angry with a person in this life because of his sin that he hardens his heart to the point that it makes it impossible for that person ever to believe in Jesus. Sometimes God, to punish a hardened sinner, someone who is actually hardening his own heart against God, God's anger comes against that person, and he hardens that person's heart to the point that he will never believe in Jesus. In other words, sometimes God actually completes what man starts. And beloved, if you harden your heart against God, if you develop a resistant attitude toward God, when God is convicting you of your sins and your conscience is troubling you and you know what the Bible says, but you start resisting it and you start putting up a guard, searing your own conscience and justifying your rebellion, God may give you over to that attitude forever and continue the hardening of your heart. You think maybe if I can just forget about this, I can harden myself just enough against the Holy Spirit and he'll stop convicting me of my sins. Beloved, if you do that, God may just finish the process. If you start hardening your heart, God may take your heart may make your heart like stone. And let's look at a couple of passages. We'll look at Romans 9 and Matthew 13. And in case you think I'm going too far, let's look at one chapter in Romans chapter 9, 18. And listen carefully to this. I'd like you, to, if you would, please to open your Bibles and follow along with this. This is what God says about this. I'm not going to interpret anything here. So you can't say, well, Pastor Gary, that's just your interpretation. I'm going to read this just exactly like it says. No interpretation. says, Romans 9, 18. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Pretty clear cut, right? Matthew 13. Jesus is speaking here in all kinds of parables, and his disciples come up to him and ask him, Why? Are you speaking in parables? Why in this indirect method? Why don't you just come right out and say what you mean? Why these parables? What's the purpose of parables? Telling things in an oblique way by means of allegory. Notice his answer as to why he spoke in parables. Matthew thirteen ten. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, To you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been granted. In other words, his disciples have been given the privilege by God to understand the meaning of his parables. But others have not been granted that privilege by God. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. And he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in perils. Now, remember, this is Jesus talking here. Because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in this case, we see the prophecy of Isaiah being fulfilled. Which says, now listen. You shall keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return, and then I should have to heal them. And Jesus quotes this in two or three places, and time and time again says, you start this process of hardening your heart, so that you can't see and you can't hear and you can't understand, I will finish the process so that you'll be so hard you cannot believe and you will be condemned forever. One of the most foolish and dangerous games a man can play is to harden his heart and his conscience, even a little bit. When the Word of God is preached to you and you see clearly it is your duty to do this or that, but you don't do it, And you think you can get away with it, you are hardening your heart. When a minister of the gospel or an elder or a friend lays out before you your duty as a Christian, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a child, as a student, as a church member, and they say, Here is what the Bible says you are supposed to do in black and white, and you feel guilty, or maybe you don't feel guilty because you think you are just so smart. And you're doing nothing to fix the situation. You are hardening your heart. And beloved, if you harden your heart, God may just finish the process. God may finish it. Because God is so angry with sin. That sometimes that anger takes expression here and now. By hardening our hearts past the point of any hope for us at all. There's another thing that God's anger does. God's anger sometimes causes the sinner to be constantly terrified of death and of judgment to the point that it drives him to insanity and irrationality. Now, according to the Bible, a lot of people who claim to be insane are not really insane. It's merely a sham. Most of the mental illnesses we have in America is not really are not really mental illnesses, but psychiatrists call it as such to legitimize their practice. But sometimes God's anger, the Bible does teach us, can so constantly terrify a man that it can drive him to insanity. And then in that irrational position, he will be lost. Here are some verses. First of all, Let me give you an example from the beginning of the human race. What did Cain say when God pronounced his curse upon him for killing his brother? In terror, he said, this punishment is more than I can stand. Turn with me to Isaiah 33, verse 13. You who are far away, hear what I have done. And you who are near acknowledge my might. Sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling has seized the godless. Being terrified of God's anger can bring on seizures and convulsions. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can live with the consuming fire? Who among us can live with continual burning? This is describing a person who can no longer control himself and who shakes in convulsions, being terrorized by the thought of having to endure the anger of God. Sometimes God's anger comes at a person so powerfully that it can terrify that person to the deepest levels of his life and lead him to insanity, lead him to convulsions lead him to irrationality and even eventually kill him there's one more thing specifically that god's anger can do god's anger can cause you to experience sudden death sudden unexpected death now you might be saying gary you're just trying to scare us yeah you're right but let me give you proof One time there was this man and this woman who were members in good standing of what I believe was a Calvinistic church. In the book of Acts, faithful Christians, they gave far more than their tithe, and their names were Ananias and Sapphira. They heard the apostles preach great things, and they believed in God's word. They loved God so much that they sold everything they had, and they said they would give it all to the poor. But they didn't give all of it. They kept a little for themselves. Now, they didn't have to sell everything and promise to give it to the church or the poor. They didn't have to. All they were required to give was a tenth. But they came before the apostles and said, here's how spiritual we are. We have sold everything and we're going to give it all to the Lord. When they were really playing games with their conscience And they lied to God. And the Bible says, suddenly, unexpectedly, these people, in apparently good health, dropped over dead. Now, that doesn't mean these people were not believers. I believe you will see Ananias and Sapphira in heaven. But this is what happens. This is how God hates our sin. Do you wonder why some people drop dead all over this country today? Do you wonder why some of us may drop over dead suddenly one of these days, being in good health? It is because sometimes that is the way God expresses his anger in this life for our sin. Now, there's one last thing. In Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, God does not leave us guessing about the consequences of our sin. He tells us the specific things He does to a person and to a culture when He starts pouring out His wrath upon an impenitent people. It talks about the ravages of terrible diseases and plagues. It talks about the ravages of war and famine. It talks about the ravages of wild animals. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible says that when a culture is in decline and collapses under God, there will be wild animals that will ravage the population? And did you know that a major problem today in Central America is monkeys coming out of the jungles and devouring little babies? It is a major problem in some of the smaller towns in Central America. Cannibalism is another thing that will take place in societies ravaged by God's wrath. And today, in America, aborted babies are being picked apart and baby parts are being sold for research. To me, a part, a type of cannibalism. But let's look just for a moment at Deuteronomy 28. And I'll begin reading in verse 15 and just read down to verse 20. When you have a chance, read all of Deuteronomy 28. You should do it regularly. It tells you about all the wonderful blessings God gives to individuals and to countries if they keep his word and the curses that come along which are twice as long as the blessings to those who do not obey our God. The consequences of disobedience from verses 15 through 20 of chapter 28 in Deuteronomy. But it shall all come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake overtake you. Curse shall you be in the city, and curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Curse shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Curse shall be shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, and rebuke in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. So what are the consequences of sin today? They are what they have always been. It's no different today. All the technology, all of the education, all the advancements of the 20th and 21st century cannot keep us from experiencing the consequences of sin in the United States of America. The first sin broke relationships between people and at its root broke the relationship between man and Almighty God. And man was kicked out of the home of God. Secondly, It put all of human life under God's anger and God's curse. And that anger and that curse does not simply wait until beyond death and in hell to express itself. But it expresses itself in gruesome, devastating ways in our lives right here and now, and sometimes in very unexpected forms. And beloved, our only hope, your only hope, America's only hope, from the ravages of the consequences of sin, is not conservatism. It is not free market economics. It is not the Republican or Democratic or Libertarian parties. It is not even Christian schools or homeschooling. It is not Christian churches. It is not Christian families. As good as all those things are and that we must be practicing, it is Christ in all. And unless you and I and this country turn to Christ and humbly submit to His rule alone, who is the only Savior of the world, we will all perish and we will be ravaged by our sins. There's no alternative for us. We either, as individuals and families, repent of our sins and give our lives to Jesus Christ, believing He is the only one who can save us from sins and all of its consequences, Or we perish in our sins. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Matthew 121, where we read, And they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. From all of sin's consequences, from all of sin's power, from all of sin's tyranny, everything that sin is, everything that sin does to us. The Lord Jesus Christ saves us from those things, and he is our only, only hope. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he did so by taking upon himself the anger of God, and turning it away from us by separating himself from God so that God might welcome us back home through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you want to stop the ravages of sin in your life and in this culture? Then we must humble ourselves before God and submit every area of our lives to His law word. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God we are humbled by our sin. We are broken by the fact and the knowledge that our sin is so hideous that it deserves and brings all of these things we have talked about today. We are brought to see again, Lord, what vile, loathsome wretches we are in and of ourselves And we are brought to see, as your word literally says, that all of our righteousness is as minstrel rags in and of ourselves. And we are brought to see again that our only hope from sin and its power is Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound today has saved a wretch like me. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. For Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He
1: Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.